that during this COVID-19, then people that would actually die of the disease. I can tell you the need is tremendous out there. I had to he says if, if there is nothing that is they are living on because they have been working on construction companies, uh, that's what they do for a living. So, uh, as, of, as it stands, they don't even have a source or means of making money. When I went out and I heard the burglary, which wasn't the first one, though it was the fourth one, the other ones I was quite sort of annoyed and, and I had this, this fear in me but this time I just said Lord you know what they were hungry It's the end of week three of South Africa's national lockdown and yesterday would have marked our first day out of lockdown had President Cyril Ramaphosa not announced the extension of the lockdown period. The truth is as South Africans confront the prospects of week four of lockdown, the balance between lives and livelihoods has come into stark focus. Will the inability to earn mean that South Africans will starve long before they face prospects of contracting COVID-19? Or is the virus still the country's largest threat? In the short podcast series, we follow Sunday Times reporter Alex Patrick and senior reporter Graham Hoskin as they track, record and reflect on the real events and the people making up South Africa's biggest COVID-19 news stories. For Boots on the Ground, I am Zamalutul. There is no national consensus done to establish how many people are without homes in South Africa. But living paycheck to paycheck, as well as not having a safe space to isolate during the COVID crisis, makes the country's homeless communities incredibly vulnerable to both infection and economic strain. Alex spent week three of her lockdown getting to know some of the members of these communities, which are sporadically scattered around Johannesburg. We are in Midrand in a little space between a business park and, and a railway and there are uh, five uh, Lesotho nationals living here, kind of made camp here and you can hear the highway in the background. Um, these people have come from Lesotho and they usually do peace work um, and uh, they came back after the December holidays and they found themselves out of work because of coronavirus. What, what were you doing for money? Or are you still making money at this time? If there is nothing that they are living on because they have been working on construction companies, that's what they do for a living. So, uh, as, as it stands, they don't even have a source or means of making money. And and where is everyone from? Are you from Johannesburg or...? I am from Lesotho. And uh, you've got people home, hey? Yeah. People back home. And you're sending money back home? 
So ore linali batwali bat ba bolu una hai ko ana bale baromela ndi chaleta halili hai. Irene, Irene, Irene tenda tadi kima araba kalau sukura kana leba ana leba sari ya ko. Kadi kima araba kalau tata ba sukura ra mitunji. Yeah, so they are breadwinners. They've got kids. Yeah. They've got wives. So they are here to work and send them some money for living on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Are you worried about having a job after this? Last one year, I was in Mosebizi Cafe. 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 So they are worried because they are, they've heard rumors that it will take about three months. Mm. So they want they don't know what will they be doing, mm. how will they survive. Have you heard about any place of safety, any tenting places where where you can go to? No, there's nothing. They've mm. had nothing. They don't even have a radio. Maybe if they had a radio, they would know where is what. Mm. It was clear to Alex that this small community of men and others like it were struggling, not only to isolate themselves, but to feed themselves in an economy that has all but shut down. The community of men had not heard of any safe havens for them to turn to, but according to one of Alex's sources, who would like to remain anonymous, the South African government had undertaken a project to accommodate the country's homeless with an aim of getting people off the streets by yesterday the 17th of April. They are going to set up new shelters and um, basically by Friday, everybody has to be off the streets. So I don't know how we are going to do it, um, but the orders from the National Disaster Management are that everyone will be off the streets on Friday. So there's a project that's running for the informal settlements and then there's another one for the people who are just like loose individuals, you know, small groups under bridges, under trees, next to walls or whatever. The timeline for this project is incredibly tight, but luckily the South African government does not have to establish the project from scratch. It has help from community members such as Taryn Johnston, a founding member of Hanap's River Revival Project. Taryn got to know the members of the informal communities scattered across Hennep's riverbanks while trying to revitalize and clean up the river. Following a series of flood along the river, Taryn helped set up a safe haven for the disenfranchised communities at the Littleton Community Hall. Now, amid calls to stay home and government's drive to house the country's homeless, the community hall and its feeding project is catering over 700 homeless community members every day. So there's a community that are staying underneath the bridge here. This is where we bought the tents. Okay. Yeah. And then down there is a railway line. And um, there's a whole community of about 55 that live along the wall. And, and they're part of the 700 that you guys are yeah. feeding and looking so, after. So here, okay. us directly, we're doing, um, we're doing 100, I'd say about 100 every day. Okay. But 
for the most part three times a day three meals a day testing has anybody been testing here we've been screened everybody's okay. been screened all right and um it's it's been fine yeah i think we've got one tb case okay um but he's now been moved there's a tb um clinic on the other side of sports park okay the community center runs almost exclusively from donations and volunteer work provided by the centurion community and it is a safe haven unlike most so uh i'm just here with a gentleman who has dropped off some soup that he made at home what kind of made you do that I just uh read about what they were doing so from the start we've been kind of involved yeah. we brought some groceries and we had some old clothes and then they asked if we could bring soup food and stuff like that so yeah. as we can we do which one is yeah 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 because yeah. he came to us he said he's not sleeping well there in the car we asked for a tent okay. so i said i'm going to talk to you maybe you can organize it. yeah i will okay okay you, you see now i'm, I'm working in the kitchen i just volunteered just to work in the kitchen yeah. as the job and i'm proud of it yeah i do it all my effort yeah. that's what i can tell you even yeah. now if, even if i get a job I will do the same as I do in this kitchen. Does it frustrate you that suddenly there's help, you know, from the government and everything? It's like, where was the help well, before this? Well, this is the thing, you know, but I think this is, it was necessary to highlight exactly how bad and real the issue is, mm. you know, because it, it wasn't going to, it was going to go unnoticed for ages. Mm. You know, it has gone and noticed for ages. Mm. You know, so this has actually done us a favour because it's really brought out the most phenomenal people mm. and it's highlighted a huge issue. Taryn says the project is one born of love and that they haven't had much theft or infighting. Are there any like social issues that you've seen um, just in, in the hall, I mean, what, what kind of issues are people facing other than homelessness and hunger? And we, we haven't had too much, too much of an issue. We've got a very sort of harmonious crowd. Um, but I think also because the, the whole project has been driven by love. Okay. And it's not a fear, it's nothing that anyone needs to fear. Yeah. You know, in this space. But on the other side, it's like a, it's a totally different ball game. There's mm. a whole bunch of addicts. Mm. They all, a lot of them are on methadone, but there's mm. others that are screaming, don't take the methadone, it's the, the president's message to, to kill us. And the president uh, asked all the white people to poison us, and this is the poison. Uh, so there's like a lot of yeah. craziness. That's and misinformation. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, and it's fear. Yeah. Methadone is an opiate used for opiate maintenance therapy in cases of addiction for chronic pain management. It is being used by housing shelters to help addicts come off their drugs by alleviating some of the withdrawal symptoms. Alex spoke to a community member of Littleton Community who is taking the methadone regime for his addiction to heroin. Ex-heroin addicts, I'm on vacation at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so this is actually helping me a hell of a lot. This is the best place to be at this time. Yeah. You know, this whole situation that's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously being an addict, I've destroyed my life. That's why I am where I am. But yeah, I'm on medication. Uh, through this place seems like there's lots of doors opening for me. Okay. 
Yeah, so uh, everything's in God's hands. Yeah. This little extension's actually helped me, I think. Mm. Because it's given me a little bit more time to try and plan things after this. Mm. This is a temporary shelter. When so after the lockdown, everybody's going to have to find new places to go. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to just see how it goes. But yeah, this place is excellent. Um, obviously, I'm working in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, which is like slightly a bit of rehabilitation for me. You know, it's okay. keeping my mind busy. Yeah. Um, COSAP has helped with a lot of the guys that are addicted. Is it? With, with medication? medication? Yes, because it's very expensive. And they are actually giving to us for free. So Is without it? that, I would have been totally paralytic. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so when cool. you say X, I mean, how, how many, how long has it been for you? Well, now it's been since the first of April. Okay. Yeah. And so. is this, how, how long have you been without the fall? Um, well, actually, you know what? Uh, I, I'm a terrible ex. This is the seventh time that I'm trying to get off this. While Littleton has a gym in its Littleton Community Hall, the homeless around the hall are still having issues with allegedly unprovoked police raids. So we're just going into a tented enclosure. There are about 17 tents here. Hi guys, sorry to intrude. I'm just coming to have a look if that's okay. Thank you. Okay. Who's beating you up, sir? The police and the soldiers. Yeah. Have they come here? They this morning. Seriously? Yes, they don't. Yeah. They put him inside the tent with a dog. And he didn't do anything. They put the police dog in him. They came with the police dog? Yes. Yeah, so they put the dog in the tent with him and just let a fight happen. Crazy. Serving and protecting. So they're, they're busy showing us the tent where allegedly the police brought their canine in. There are prints on the ground and the straight that a dog has been here and the tent is uh, disheveled on the outside. I'm not sure really the reason why they would have put a police dog in here. Alex explains how the community is protecting itself from what it has termed police attacks. What they've devised really as their safety tactic against police, uh, because they do get harassed quite a lot. They've broken themselves up into smaller um, camps. They do that for their own safety, so that if one camp is being, they use the word attack, if, if one camp uh, is, is being harassed by police, the other camps are able to hear it, but they're able to come to the rescue. So it's not that everybody gets ambushed uh, at once. Yeah, that was in their own words. But it's not only South Africa's homeless that are struggling to keep their heads above water during the extended lockdown. Graham spent week three chasing an uplifting news story. He was interviewing for a piece about South African pilots who are currently volunteering their time, money and resources to bring food and aid to communities in need across SA. The pilots have formed an NGO called COVID Flight Mission aimed at bringing relief to children and the elderly. COVID Flight Mission KZN Division Head Chris Bog tells us about the project. Um, you know what, we've established in, in Gauteng, in Western Cape and in KZN, um, so I head up sort of the KZN section. Yeah. We haven't done any flights in KZN yet, but we've done multiple flights in Gauteng with helicopters, um, delivering 
you know, large consignments of potatoes that we get from mm. the farmers and foodstuffs into into sort of remote areas. So that's really our focus is is to do assistance into really remote areas that you know where there aren't easily available shops and that around. So mm. that, that's the initiative behind the tier. So right. we're encouraging our guys not just to see this as a flying mission, but you know, to to reach out to find the really needy needy places. And obviously, we welcome people reaching out to us as, a, as an organization as well. And then um, as people approach us for, for assistance, we then obviously uh, make sure that those go to the various regions and we, they, we then do sort of a feasibility scorecard on each mission to make sure that it's, you know, it's safe, that it's essential, that it's the right priority, that it's definitely people in need. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess the particular focus is elderly and, and children. You know, so, okay. yeah. Chris was speaking to Graham after having delivered baby formula, diapers, toys and food to SMP World Childcare Home in Richmond. The home's primary mode of transportation had broken down, meaning its director, Lucky Sitati, couldn't travel out to buy critical supplies or pick up his usual donation for the children he cared for. Lucky, how many children are you looking after at the centre and how important is this food delivery? Well, at the moment we've got 19 children, but our capacity we must take up to 30 children. We are are taking from bed to 5 years old. Well, about this delivery that we receive today, it means a lot. It means a lot, really. Um, we receive a lot of milk. It's going to last us about two months. And we receive about uh, 50 nappies. It's 25 medium, 25 large. Uh, and also, it's going to last us about month, uh, about two months. Uh, about grocery, it's going to last us about a month. But really, it's going to help us a lot, a lot, a lot. So I'm so happy, I'm so excited about this delivery. That the babies that come to your center, where do they come from? What's happened to their mothers? Okay, the babies that are here, they come all over from KZN, even the rest of South Africa. So, you know, it normally happens that you find that, especially the mothers, you find that the mothers, they've got a drinking problem because some of them are always with mothers, they've got drinking problems. Others, they left the children at hospital after they give, after, after birth. They left the child in hospital and they ran away. Others, um, they dumped the children on the street. So those are the cases. But we're taking children all over KZN. Okay, so this this flight and, and the food that's been brought and the nappies has, has really helped. It's going to help us a lot. Yes, it's really helped. Another pilot for COVID flight mission, Charles Fuller, emphasizes that communities all over the country need help and that they are battling to stay alive. You know, where else do you, do you see yourselves, mainly the pilots in, in Nelspread, mainly helping out um, with old age and care centers, or is the need vast, eh? The need is vast. The ones that we're doing in Uxbrad is there's somebody, it's not an NPO that's been helping to feed people, poor people for the last couple of months. It's not just over the COVID-19, but a lot of people has lost their jobs and a lot, a lot you see, if you get involved in this, you realize that more people will die of hunger during this COVID-19 than people that would actually die of the disease. I can tell you the need is tremendous out there. People are really suffering. There's a huge need for food out there. And uh, this is not people that's pretending to just get stuff for free because it's for free. There's a real need. People are suffering. Charles was speaking to Graham after having airlifted food and medical supplies to a home for the aged and destitute in Hazy View. The home, called Solidia Gloria Care Centre, had in fact just been robbed 
of all its food and medical supplies the previous weekend and was in a desperate state. Little did Graham know that this was in fact the fourth time the care centre had been robbed. Managing director of the NGO, Ger Defenta, explains to Graham exactly how vital the supplies are to her operation and to the aged and destitute that they provide for. And tell me, I mean, I understand there was a, a burglary at the Hazyview Centre. What what happened yes. there? First of all, when I went out and I heard the burglary, which wasn't the first one, though it was the fourth one, the other ones I was quite sort of annoyed and, and I had this, this fear in me, but this time I just said, Lord, you know what, they were hungry. They were hungry, sir. They broke through mm. a wall, they stole all our food, all our medical supplies. I don't mm. know if they're going to sell some of it to make money to buy food. That I can't say. Mm. There was also a woman that is in one of our centers that went to buy a little bit of groceries for the day. And then they just ran her over, took her groceries, and she had to protect her two boys. Mm. So, yeah, people's hungry. Mm. We're going, going to go into a situation where it's just going to get worse. Um, if we don't mm. die of this virus, we're definitely going to die of poverty eventually because people can't supply now they can't support um yes i mean it's, it's quite difficult the, these doctors who 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 brought it i mean they brought, i take i understand they brought the medical supplies with with helicopters is that right oh it was amazing it was absolutely amazing i cannot explain my emotions to you um and my my, my gratefulness it's those people are offering their lives their families and everything up to look after the less fortunate and bring hope in a world mm. in a country at this stage where everybody is in fear. So yeah. honestly, if it wasn't for them, who would have done it? I've tried my utmost best to get it from the government, from hospitals, from everywhere. Where they found it, I've got no idea. Mm. Maybe God provided them with it, but to us, it was a major important situation. Mm. But we are in the same boat now than our people. My husband lost his job. Mm. Two days just before lockdown. So, yeah, we know what this is all about. He was working at a lodge. Yeah. Um, which is now also closing down because of this situation, because people can't go on holidays. Everybody was laid off or retrenched or dismissed. Or the ones they kept behind must now take either the leave that they've got left mm. or they must go and take um, sick leave or unpaid leave. So yeah, we know what it feels like now to be in these guys' shoes. We are now entering week four of SA's national lockdown. And without a doubt, the situation is difficult, if not dire, for many South Africans. If you have excess, we at Multimedia Live ask you to consider those in your community who may be battling. Contact your local charitable organizations and help out where you can. Confirmed cases and related deaths are mounting, but we remain hopeful that the efforts taken by the government, essential services and communities will make a difference. For Boots on the Ground, behind SA's National Lockdown, a production of Multimedia Live. I am Zama Lutuli. You are listening to Boots on the Ground, 
behind SA's national lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samar Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Production by Multimedia Head Scott Peter Smith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.